It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Introducing Built to Last, a new podcast by American Express. I'm Elaine Welteroff, and I'm excited to host the debut season where we will be deep diving into the stories, history, and continued legacy of small businesses that shape American culture. Through these important conversations, we'll hear how the Black business leaders of our past have inspired today's Black-owned small businesses and communities. Join us for the debut season of Built to Last on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. As always, you can get the Lockdown Bengals podcast on the brand new podcasting app, Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Lockdown Bengals. Today, we've got some more OTA news to talk about and an update on Gerald McCoy. And Paul Denner Jr. wrote a piece on... The Athletic that prompted a conversation from Joe and I about how many division championships should be considered quote unquote good versus what's the minimum that you would, I don't know if expect or hope for is the right word. So we'll get into that a little bit as well. Today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Go on a vacation, get rewarded, Hotels.com. So I guess first, let's go to Gerald McCoy. He wrapped up his visit with Baltimore and is reportedly heading on to Carolina, which is a cat team, but is not the correct cat team. Not the one we want. and But maybe the team we want him to go to if he's not going to pick the Bengals. But again, and we talked about this, I don't care if he goes to Baltimore. It doesn't scare me there very much. Yeah, so uh, Ian Rappaport, his... Tweet was basically um, he had a few today and and re, and he talked about the the process with McCoy and McCoy's uh, has been in contact with the Browns. He liked what he what he saw in in, in the contact and the interaction with the with the Ravens. Um, it seems like he's waiting on the right type of contract or the right type of deal to come his way, and it doesn't seem like he's gotten that yet. From you know, or else you would have I, presumably you would have signed already. So. Uh, He does not list the Bengals as one of the final teams moving on to the Panthers now. If, you know, they throw the money at him or the offer that he's looking for, then they'll get him, it sounds like. It sounds like uh, it's not just fit because you mentioned both Cleveland and Baltimore being uh, nice places for Gerald McCoy. Yeah, and it sounds like he said this. The visit with Baltimore was, quote, unquote, excellent. So I think it is probably a question of will anyone pay me more because i would like to get paid please and i on health sent me a message today sent well just added me on twitter i guess and said why isn't he even visiting cincinnati there were reports that there was some mutual interest that way with duffner and aj green and geno atkins being relationships for gerald mccoy the report that said gerald mccoy thinks the bengals are going to be better than many people think in 2019 
why isn't he even visiting Cincinnati? And my guess is that it's just the preliminary money talks just aren't enough right. to get him into town. And that right. probably just eliminates the Bengals from the race. I hate to be a wet blanket on it, right? And just say, well, if you have mutual interest, which you may, um, that goes as far as the money goes. <laughs> All these teams are interested. There's eight teams, it seemed like. that I were hey, 11 at one point, too. Sure. Yeah, it's, a, it's right. a lot. A third of the league is like, oh, McCoy's a free agent? Well, what's he looking for? That's the interest that it could be for anyone. And then you say, oh, he wants $12 million a year. Okay, well that's well, you know that's great. We're out of it, and that could have been as far as the Bengals went. I don't know that it went that way, but think of the Bengals' history of free agency. Um, they don't just go after these big guys. It has to be a, a mutual thing in terms of hey, um, what, are you willing to accept our deal, our money? And, and if you are, then come in and we'll do a visit. Yeah, it would have to be kind of on their. Like you said, their contract structure, which on a one-year deal, I would think is actually probably less of an issue, but maybe then they're just not offering enough money. So when I say their structure, I'm talking about the fact that they generally don't offer the guaranteed money that other teams do, even if the players generally see the end of those contracts. So right. that that could be the case. I don't know. Maybe he'll get a multi-year deal. Maybe he'll get two years, $24 million somewhere with $15 million guaranteed, and that'll be enough. Right, and if that happens, then we'll know exactly why uh, the Bengals didn't bring him in for a visit. Right. So that's the news on Gerald McCoy. I, I, I suppose it would be fair to say don't totally lose hope. There's still a chance that he might come visit Cincinnati at some point, but it seems like the odds are getting long that he's had good visits with a couple teams already, and it's just a matter of working out the money. But you, you, you never know, I guess. I mean, what if it was like a um, courtesy thing? Like the Bengals, oh, we're interested. And he's like, oh, great. Thank you. Um, you know, I think you guys would be much better this year, but I'm going to go visit these other teams. You I know, know. It, I don't know if he would have said it publicly. If, if anything, I would have thought, yeah, he'll go visit the Bengals first and get in and out of town and, or like, you know, to drive maybe, up the price or interest. Yeah. And maybe that's what he's doing in Carolina too, right? Maybe, maybe sure. he's playing a little bit of a game there. Yeah, you have to. And plus, again, this is his first time actually enjoying free agency and everything that comes with it and traveling and meeting these other teams and, and cities and, you know, being courted. And I'm sure he would like to, uh, you, you know, have as much fun with that while he can because this may be the only time he ever gets it. He's not a big city kind of guy, though, right? I mean, Baltimore, Cleveland, and, and Charlotte. Sure. They're, I mean, it's not like it's New York, L.A., right? They're fine cities, but he, he is not the kind of guy that wants the spotlight on him, I suppose, if he's visiting those teams. Although, I don't know, maybe none of the fancy cities have the money to pay him. Or interest. But why wouldn't you have interest? Sure, you're not wrong. So that's probably enough on Gerald McCoy. If he decides to visit Cincinnati, we'll update you further. If he signs somewhere else, well, you'll know before you listen to the podcast, but I guess we'll talk about it. The The long and short of it is it's nice that they showed interest and it was reported on as, as it's a big name free agent. It's nice that there was some reports of reciprocal interest and that he was at least considering the Bengals. And it feels good to hear that a very good player thinks the Bengals will be better in 2019 than they were, or than, than maybe is expected. Right. Yep. That's that's basically all I have to say on McCoy. Um, I will say only other thing to talk about before we go to break is potential John Ross changing numbers from 15 to 11. Does it matter? Do you care? Do you own a John Ross number 15 jersey? Would you buy a number 11 jersey? But it seems like the uh, pro shop has updated it. 
to where there is a number 11. It says John Ross III on the back. The number 15 jersey is for sale. There's been some cryptic tweets. There's also been some tweets of people saying that he has requested that. But currently, Hunter Sharp wears number 11, so I think he has, either has to buy it from him or wait until Hunter Sharp doesn't make the roster. Just something to be aware of, as I posted a video today on Twitter of some of John Ross's highlights from last year, as we're kind of still riding a little bit of OTA wave of, of positive talk with him in this offense. Yeah, and there was a Bengals.com article that we didn't talk about because I thought it was old, but it talked about how positive John Ross has been in this camp. And you, you I believe, linked out to that one on your Twitter feed as well. So go check out John Ross highlights and read about how John Ross is having the time of his life under Zach Taylor. Also, he's getting number one wide receiver reps with A.J. Green uh, on the practice field. So that's got to feel good for him, too. He's getting some extra extra reps, I would assume. Although if they're in 11 all day, I guess I guess he'd get them anyways. All day anyway. Sure, yeah, but at least maybe now they'd, they'd focus him on him or move him around or design some things for him while Green isn't there. Yeah. As to your question, I would not buy a John Ross 11 jersey, not because it's John Ross or 11. I just I haven't bought a football jersey in years. And I, yeah, don't, me I don't feel very, you know, that you can't wear them. They're, you they're mean, huge. Well, they don't have to be, but. Their smallest yeah. size is huge. Yeah, because you're a little man. I'm I'm a normal sized man. <laughs> I'm six no. foot. I'm six foot one sixty. That's normal size. There is something about wearing the jersey as you get older in life, unless you're at a sporting event or doing something where you're watching it with a bunch of other fans. Um, that feels weird about wearing a jersey. And I have I own a lot of jerseys. I just don't wear them anymore. And plus. All the little minute changes and differences, whether it's the collar or the paneling on the side or going from Reebok to Nike or just the material and mesh and, and the patches that they change every few years, whether it's the NFL-type patches or the 50 for the Bengals patches, all of that bothers me when it changes to make me feel like my jersey is outdated. Yeah. Speaking of 50, this is going to be the 100th regular season for the NFL or something. Yeah, and they're wearing those on the front, normally where they have the NFL logo in the on right on the crest of where your yeah. collarbones. They have a 100 logo there instead. What's your favorite jersey that you own? Hmm, I have a Derek Brooks 2002 Super Bowl jersey with the Super Bowl patch on it. That is awesome, and it's an official, you know, sewn and stitched. Yeah, did back, not expect that answer, huh? <laughs> that back when your team won a Super Bowl. Yeah, that one year. I got the jersey that year and, was, and wore it to a Raiders fan's uh, party who was a friend of mine and uh, to watch the Super Bowl. The closest I've ever felt to my team winning the Super Bowl was watching the Steelers lose the Super Bowl. Oh. <laughs> and you celebrated like you won it. I was, no. I would have I felt much happier after. My favorite jersey, to answer your question that you didn't ask me, is my, well... It's either my my kids kids large twenty three Michael small man. It it's very tight on me. It's okay. it's it's like chafingly tight on me. Oh right, yeah, so <laughs> tight. It's like a layer of skin. You're big. You're a big no. Man. It's like in the underarms, right? Uh, it's a it's a kids large Michael Jordan jersey. I own one basketball jersey, Dwight Howard Magic, or my Toon Squad Michael Jordan jersey. Oh yeah, I have a that? fictional character jersey also oh, yeah. it is uh rick vaughn cleveland indians 99 <laughs> nice one yes uh, 
I, I also of of my of my football jerseys is my TJ jersey because I believe that's the only like authentic so stitched on one that I've got. But I think that one's in Cincinnati. Oh, you don't have it with you? No, I don't have it up here with me. Anyway, I have a framed and signed Chad Johnson jersey. I should have said that, but I wasn't thinking of the ones uh, that I can't wear. I feel that. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Anyway, let's get to a break. Today's show is brought to you by Grip6 for an ultra lightweight belt with no holes, no flap, and a nice sleek profile. Check out grip6.com slash L-O-C-K-E and also DM Joe to send him a belt. We'll be right back. This is Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car. That's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made the purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door, or you can go and pick it up from one of the coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy, ensuring that you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check it out, the nation's fastest-growing auto retailer at Carvana.com, C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com, Carvana.com. Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? No, nah, but seriously, now is the time to get some skin in the game with MyBookie, where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, we know who these teams are. We know what they're capable of, and it's not difficult to find some value in the lines. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with MyBookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie. And when you do, use promo code LOCKEDON to get your deposit match halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at MyBookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. Welcome back to the Lockdown Bengals podcast. In the second half of the show here, we, uh, we're going to talk about a little bit of expectations for winning the division, AFC North, and divisions in the league. It's This is what started and, and, and sparked my interest in this, and I thought about this the other day. Um, Evan Silva of Roto World, he asked a, a question on Twitter, and he said, genuine question, quote, why do the Bengals not get criticism for being an organization that proactively deprioritizes winning? So as if they are not – this is a weird way to phrase it, and it seems like he phrased it exactly how he wanted to. Um, deprioritizes winning, as if that is the last thing on their mind, right? But like actively, they're actively, right. actively trying not to win. 
I, 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 that. yeah, I don't understand where he's coming from, really, uh, actually, at all. But I, I do respect Elvin Silva, Evan oh, Silva, too. generally as a writer. But like, I, I don't get this idea that, especially a team that has been relatively good, I would argue, uh, and we're gonna get to this. Deprioritizing right. winning that would mean like they're I don't know trading all their draft picks for cash and and. Like, right. I can't even it, imagine that in the NFL. This is how I would define tanking is the second half. You know, an organization that proactively deprioritizes winning. That would be the definition of tanking. And the Bengals definitely aren't doing that. If anything, they're stagnant. They are unable to get over the hump, but at the same time, unable to hit the reset button until I, this past year. Yeah, I think it's like a stubbornness. It's not if he had said just like. They don't know how to prioritize properly to win. Then yes, sure, sure. that would have been on board. Yeah. They don't know how to do that. There's some evidence that suggests that that is true. And then yep. you still have Bengals fans who say they made the playoffs from 2011 to 2015. What the hell are you talking about? And one even said, and a few said, well, they won the division three times in the last well, wasn't 10 years. That and the then, Paul piece? Well, actually, there was a comment on that the other day. So I don't know if Paul, if that sparked Paul too. But I thought about this. Oh, is that this, somewhere else? Okay. Yeah, when it was a reply to Evan Silva, but uh, Paul does put that on his piece on the Athletic. Says, well, the Bengals have won the division three times: 2009, 13, and 15 in the past 10 years, and that sparked a conversation really uh, just off the top of our head before we even started recording this between Jake and I. And uh, I asked Jake, is what should be the standard? What should be the acceptable level? What should be your expectation for a 10-year span of your team in the NFL? Not just the Bengals. I think this applies for everyone, but it may be more specific to our division, uh, the AFC North. How many should you expect to win in 10 years? In a perfect parity NFL world, every team is winning two and a half championships every 10 years. And over 20 years, that works out to be five each. Right. In the NFL that exists, there are expansion teams, there are small market teams, there are teams that are known to not spend guaranteed money. Cough, Bengals, cough. There are teams that have unprecedented runs of success, New England. There are teams like the Browns, the Raiders, the Jaguars, the Bills. There's eight teams that haven't won one in that time span. Right. Many teams. And, and the Jaguars have only won one. There's a couple teams that have only won it yep. once. Three teams, so, yes. The question of what should be the standard, well, the standard is going to depend on your team. And for the Bengals, for a long time, the standard was, well, maybe they'll win five games. So when sure. they come out and right now in the last, and let's say you go back to the Andy Dalton tenure on the Bengals, since 2011, they've been to the playoffs in five out of eight years. Yeah. And that's quality oh right so we're not because i don't want to get into the because the larger discussion and the larger goal is always postseason success right so sure our standards are low enough as it is we're happy enough to be in the playoffs that's five not straight true years. anymore I, I think that that no hasn't been it's true not for quite a while but if they're gonna if we're gonna use that argument for why the bengals are not proactively deprioritizing winning and say well they made the playoffs five years in a row they won the division three times uh we kind of have to use that as a positive at this Getting point. Getting to so, the playoffs means you're prioritizing winning, period. Getting to the playoffs doesn't mean that fans need to be happy. But getting, see, I, you don't go to the playoffs if you're like, you know what, I don't want to win. In fact, I want to prioritize things other than winning. You're not going right. to go to the playoffs because that's going to be detrimental to your team. 
And I think that's where Evan Silva's tweet is definitely wrong uh, to say proactively deprioritize. I can't even say it anymore. I don't even want to say it anymore. They're not proactively tanking. (laughs) All right, I'll say that. But I think you could fall into winning three divisions in 10 years. And I say that because looking around the league, I mean, 16 teams have won at least three division championships in the past 10 years. That's half the league has done what the Bengals have done. So does should we hold it up as if, you know, that's a that, great look, guys. We made the playoffs. We won the division. I mean, that should be the standard. I think you should expect, we should expect over the next 10 years from now, if Zach Taylor goes for 10 years, I they better make the, the they better win the division three times in the next 10 years, right? That would be the bare minimum to call this a success. This is also arbitrary, Joe. They could they could next year be a wild card team and win the Super Bowl and then not sure. win the division for six years and right. you would still think Zach you know like they they won the Super Bowl changes everything right but yeah I mean sure you would like to see them win the division on average thirty you know twenty five to thirty percent of the time because that's what it should be in the NFL the fact of the matter is the NFL doesn't have true parity free right. agents would rather go to Los Angeles or New York. Or even Baltimore, New England. Yeah, there are tons of, like, Cincinnati is bottom three free agent destination. With probably, I would say, Buffalo, and I don't know what the other one is. Oakland? But even Oakland just attracted people. No, Oakland's going to Vegas. That's exciting. Right, so maybe Vegas wins that. I don't know who the other team is. It's Buffalo and Cincinnati down there. Jacksonville might be up there, but they're going to spend money, so probably not. Miami, Miami right now is probably one, but Miami is a great well, place Miami. to live. And you're, right. yeah, so, uh, but the Bengals are not a popular free agent destination. It makes it harder for them to retain players. Their ownership's approach to free agency and to re-signing their own players makes it hard for them to re-sign players. But that's not really something that we can say isn't their fault. That's definitely their fault. So out, out of the factors that they... Let's who? compare them to the other teams that won three then over the 10 years. And let's go over them real quick. Okay. Um, I guarantee you the Bengals market is the weakest. Well, and let's say how they, how they run, how they operate. Are they comparable? All right. right. Because I think there's some franchises in here that would be comparable. In my mind, Atlanta. I think uh, for how they've been in the past, they've never won a Super Bowl. Uh, they really have been hit or miss for the entirety of the NFL when they've been in it in terms of, um, you know, actually – they almost won a Super Bowl a couple years ago. But I mean, in, in terms of sustained success or having a uh, Hall of Fame type quarterback, coach, just it, for them, it hasn't been there. It hasn't hit. So I think Atlanta is a comparable. Uh, the other teams are the Baltimore Ravens, who have had their issues, I think, especially recently once they got tied to Joe Flacco. Uh, the Carolina Panthers, Minnesota Vikings, two teams also have not won a Super Bowl, correct? Yeah. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles, until this past year or uh, two years ago, what was it, when, when they won it? And then the Bengals. Those are the teams that have won three over the last 10 years, and I don't think they're all too dissimilar. I, In some ways, sure. But in other ways, the Bengals are the smallest market out of all of those, probably rivaled by Carolina, maybe. But, uh, I, I mean, Atlanta's a huge Minnesota? market. Minnesota? That's a bigger market for sure. Minneapolis is a big city. That's right. So I think the Bengals have the smallest market. They have the stingiest owner, but that's something that they control. That is, that's their own choice almost. 
It's their own um, doing. You you can't. They're, they're not blameless for it. Let's say. But that. the Panthers have had a had a weird ownership also, and they've just turned the corner recently. Yeah, it's it's actually surprising that they won those three in a row with Cam. I mean, just yeah. because Atlanta and the Saints were there. Right. That division's weird. If you look how that division operates, typically the last place team goes to first place the following year. That's also the NFC East, right? And we looked at all this. There's actually on theadvocate.com, NFL division champions from 2002 to 2018 is what we use. This is something that Dan Swenson put together, who I've never heard of before today, but this is a really cool graphic. So if you're interested in teams that have won at least four, so this is all the way up to the Patriots winning 10 of the last 10 years. <laughs> but you have the, the dynasty teams, basically. The Patriots, Steelers, Colts, when Peyton Manning and then to Andrew Luck, and you can only wish to hope to go from those two quarterbacks. Uh, then you have the Texans, Chiefs, Broncos, Cowboys, Packers with Aaron Rodgers, makes sense. Saints with Drew Brees, Seahawks in their last run since 2012 with Russell Wilson, makes sense. Those are the teams, besides maybe the Texans, I think, are the – only team I look at and say, how did they get in there? But then we reviewed it, and there was opportunities, and they struck every time they had a chance. Yes, they did. Those teams are all better recently than the Bengals, so none of those are too surprising. They all have better quarterback. They've all had better ownership. They've all had better coaching. I mean, it's been – and they've all won – almost all of them won Super Bowls, if not, not most of them. I mean, the Texans, the Texans have not, did no. not. The Colts did not. Chiefs the Colts have not. Haven't, the Colts haven't won one since 2006. Oh, okay, so I'm thinking I'm in, I'm thinking that was still within 10 years. It is not because that's probably for the Packers also. The Packers – the Packers won when they were a wild card team. They didn't win when they won the division. Okay, I'm just saying they have won in the out my yes. original statement. It may be incorrect though, because I can't remember when that was. That had to be like '09 or so. Wasn't that against the Steelers? Yeah, but yeah. I can't remember when I that think was. It, I think it was 2009. Makes sense to me. But then Seattle, you know, the Saints. Okay, yeah, the Broncos won one. So that's yeah. a lot of uh, success in those teams. Right and, there. and I think some of these teams have also won when they were wild card teams because in 2005, 2007, 2010. So it wasn't 2009. 05. 07 and 2010, the Super Bowl champions were not division champions. Must have been 07 then for the Packers Steelers, which was a fantastic Super Bowl. Anyways, um, yes, so those are the teams. And that's why I still think winning three should be the expectation. I think we'd love if we were in the teams that were four and above, uh, complete runs of a 10 year span. And I don't expect that. If it does, that means we're all happy and excited. Uh, but winning three should be the expectation. I think anything less than that is something's got to give, something's going wrong. You are have constant turnover at either quarterback, coach, or ownership transition. And I think it's two. If we're talking about the minimum, I think three is good. I think two is the minimum where something is going wrong if you're not winning two. Because two and Even three with within a 10-year window is just statistically the difference between two and three is not, you know, in, in the NFL, like, I, I don't... It's not much right. of a difference. There isn't. And it's a that's game. why it's a game one year. It is. And that's why when I look at it and we started this saying, well, it depends on the team, the franchise, the division, even with the Browns in there as one of the teams that haven't won one, we should almost expect the Bengals, Ravens, and Steelers to all have three, and one of them has four. And that's exactly how it breaks down the Steelers have four. Yeah, the, and the, and the AFC North is one of the more competitive divisions in the NFL it is. on a year to year basis. Those three teams have been competitive in the regular season with each other fairly well for the last 10 years. And then, then there's been the Browns as a doormat. So that's why I think it's, it makes perfect sense that it's gone three, three and four. Yeah. But at least the Bengals are one of the three is what I'm saying. 
that's such a low standard in my opinion. It's it's not. What you want you want to be the Patriots? You want to be you want to be a, a the Texans, yeah, the Broncos? Yeah, but you don't have Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. Sure, I understand that. I get that completely, and that's why I said it's hard to say I want to be those teams because I do. But and I, and I so I understand why they're not. But to say three isn't the bare minimum expectation. I well, think I mean, three is good. On, and I don't, you haven't moved me. The teams that have won more than three have had dynasties, right? And so the teams that haven't, these, these, these teams that have won three, like the Bengals have, have all been just okay teams with a solid run of, of a three-year span, like the Bengals basically did. They had a five-year run. Fine. Or I'm a six-out-of-seven-year run. Yeah, yeah, they did. Right. The and fact you that we're three that years way, removed from it makes it feel worse. It but does. from 2009 yes. to 2015, the Bengals missed the playoffs once, and they won the division. And they were like one of four teams that three times. were – that were that that saw that amount of playoff uh, um, appearances at that in that span. They were it was the Patriots, Colts, Seahawks, and I think Bengals at that time. And it's and uh, it's unlucky that they didn't win. I mean, yeah, they they weren't good in the playoffs, but and and, and any one and one and done playoff, like whatever, man. It's it's a roll of the dice. I think getting in and being a one and done team is is such a forgettable thing. If it yeah. wasn't the Bengals, like if it was the Texans, if it was the well, that's probably the, why we forgot the Texans have been in there because right. the only games they've won have been against the Bengals. Yeah, and that's what I mean. You look at it and you go, I mean, the Texans are as forgettable as the Bengals. I remember talking about the Texans. It was like 2013 or so, maybe 14 before the Bengals extended Dalton, and I'm just, and I'm just thinking, man, this is the window before they extend him because things are going to get tighter as they do in the NFL. I don't want to end up like the matchup Texans where they had opportunities and they had a good roster and then that window closed and and they couldn't get it back open again. And apparently they found a way to with Deshaun Watson, but uh, obviously that's a completely different team at this point. The Bengals will draft a quarterback at some point, Joe. It will not be I'm not obviously in 2019. Finding a way to re- energize. I mean, the bank, look at these two sections of teams. They're sitting in front of me. Um, it, they've all hit the reset button or I feel like would be lucky to get and Falcons. The Falcons are again where I'm going to come to and say they're the closest comparable. They're still sticking with Matt Ryan, which in a good Matt Ryan's been good. Um, they've turned over at, at coach. They've tried to add pieces. They've tried to retain their, their free agents. I mean, they are the comparable in my opinion. I also think that's the toughest division in the NFL. And I think it's a comparable division. NFC South, AFC North. I think they're all better. You think all four teams are better than all four teams in the AFC North? If you went number one to number one, I I think probably yeah. I don't well, know. Actually, maybe teams. with the Browns now. Saints? I don't know. Saints. Yeah, I'd, say, I'd say Saints. Yeah, I would. Saints think. are really good. The Panthers somehow stay good, and the Falcons are better than they were last year. Yeah, if the Falcons stay healthy, they should be back into the playoffs. And then Tampa. Tampa's bad, so maybe that brings it down. But the top three teams. Are, are like actual teams that could win a Super Bowl any year. And I wouldn't say that about the Ravens. I Honestly, Ravens, Bengals, and Browns, I would say, should not win the Super Bowl this year. I would say none of the AFC North should win a Super Bowl this year, but the division is going to be competitive. It's just not as good. That's fair. I was thinking in, in, in terms of the turnover and the, the one through four competitiveness of their division compared to the AFC North should be comparable. Yeah. I mean, because I don't see anyone in either competitive, division getting swept. It's just as competitive as the NFC East, where it's a different team every year, but they're all like mediocre. 
Nobody's yeah. ever great in the NFC East except the Eagles and Giants when they randomly win Super Bowls for some reason. Speaking of the East, NFC East, the Bengals are very similar to the Cowboys in a lot of ways, except for completely different markets. Right. In terms of how they and spend. And different how team they... building strategies. Well, no, even if you look at the Cowboys, they don't bring in free agents. They don't at all. They've But they've drafted so well. Here's, a, here's the opposite. The Bengals did draft well for that span where they were going to the playoffs, right? The Cowboys have drafted well and retained their guys. They've retained their Andrew Whitworth and Kevin Zeitler. Uh, and that's the difference, really, is that they have maximized their cap every year. They're like, we can't sign anyone because we've extended everyone. Speaking of teams that have retained talent in Andrew Whitworth, let's take a break and come back and talk about Pro Football Focus released a list of the top 100 individual games since they started recording. And guess who's number one? This is performances? Top individual game grades, yes. Wow. Yeah. So let's talk about another sponsor, and we'll be right back. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's blue Chew. Dot com promo code locked on to try it free blue chew is the better cheaper faster choice and we thank them for sponsoring the lockdown bengals podcast support for this podcast comes from cdw and dell technologies at cdwg we get that migrating your agency to a hyper converged infrastructure is challenging like me switching to decaf gotta do it don't want to do it but gotta do it whoa slow down friend cdwg's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper converged infrastructure with dell emc solutions that offer speed and agility do it do it have you done it is it done yet why isn't it done yet it orchestration by cdwg people who get it find out more at cdwg.com slash dell emc Support for this podcast comes from The First One with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is The First One. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. It's almost like sometimes before you even get in the industry, it's like you set up to fail. And there's so many moments where you can win. And the winning is great, but it's so many things that you go through to get to the win. And so much more who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to the next level, changed their life, overlooked to being overbooked. When I was recording the song, I already knew it was going to be a global hit. And I'm not joking, my G. I really felt it inside of me. I was like, I just can't wait to see a number one. Join me every Thursday with the first one drops only on Amazon Music. Let's go. 
Welcome back to the Locked On Bengals podcast. We're going to wrap up today talking about a few notes. First off, 100 best single game grades of the PFF era. Guess who's number 100, Joe? Uh, okay, so this is the worst of the best? Yeah, starting at 95.5 as an individual grade, individual so a, game grade. Very good. An amazing game. So you've already alluded to it. It's Andrew Whitworth. Actually, it's oh. Geno Atkins. Give me the year and I'll try and think of the game. 2012. 2012 game. No, not going to come to me. That's way too far ago. Against Kansas City in week 12. Hmm. He's also AJ on Green here. got a nice touch on that game. One-hander, a back shoulder one. He's also on here. Oh, wait. I think they screwed up. Because he's on here. Right. It, says, it says week 12 of mm. 2012 against the Kansas City Chiefs. And then later on, they've got him here again. Week 11 of 2012, also against the Kansas City Chiefs. So that's not right. Hmm. Somebody, somebody does, overlooked something there. Does it describe the game at all or say what he did? Yeah, and it, I'd like to read this. I think it actually says that in both of them he had three pressures and three stops or something. Hmm. Okay. Let's see. Uh, there's a Terrence Newman sighting at 69 for, with the Minnesota the Vikings. Oh, okay. At 69? After, what? After Age? the Bengals. 96 overall grade. Oh, you said okay, you said 69. 69 out of 100. Oh, rank 69. I yeah. thought you were talking about how old he was. The most unlikely candidate was a guard for the Bengals in 2010. Nate Living's got a Nate game, huh? Nate Living's. Week 15 of 2010 gave up zero pressures and didn't receive a downgrade in any of his 34 run blocking snaps. Who was it against? Doesn't say. Doesn't say. Isn't that uh, weird? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'd sure like who remember. wrote it. 2010. So the the down year, and it yes. was um, in week 15, had to be a divisional game. Another guard for the Bengals in 2008. Okay. So Bobby Williams kicking ass. Stacy Andrews. Sorry, he was a tackle. My bad. He was. So this is the game against the Browns. It's like a week 16 game, huh? It was against the Browns. Yeah. Yeah. They only passed the ball that week 10 yep. times. Yeah, they ran it down their throat. I and that. He, he had a 95.6 run blocking grade. Leon Hall had a pick six return for a touchdown. Leon Hall doesn't make an appearance on this list. You know who's on here twice who I totally forgot about? Lofa Tatupu. Yeah. I remember them. Yeah. He, he was apparently very, very good in Seattle. Seattle and linebackers. Hand in hand. Is he a second round pick? Sean yeah, Andrews I'm... is on here a couple times. Uh, Carson's best game shows up at number 32. He had okay. a 96.9 in 2009 against which team? A 96 game. Team. Chargers. Nope. Try again. 2009. 2009 game. Yeah, I don't know. Uh Against the Bears. Ah, yes. Edric Benson killed them that game. Yeah, he was good. Four touchdowns, I think, right? Five touchdowns. You remember when they just destroyed the NFC North that year? Yeah, completely. Yeah, just like ravaged the NFC North. They did that in 05 also. Both of those division years, they crushed the NFC North. Yeah. I felt good whenever they played the NFC North back then. Not so much. Uh, so later. if that was 09, then what was the next time they played the North? It had to be when they won the division again in 13. Yeah. 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 If it went 05, 09, then 13. Matt so, checks out. Yeah, Matt checks out. So we <laughs> missed our chance in 17. Damn them. 
Damn. Two more years. And number one, Andrew Whitworth. Best game, huh, for the Bengals? Best game out of anybody in pro football focus history is Andrew Whitworth in week 15 of 2010 against? Week 15, 2010. So it's the same game as earlier as with uh, Nate Livings. They must have been dominating no, on that last 2010. Not to, oh, but, yeah, no. Yeah, you're right. Yep. Was. So who was it against? But this is week 15. Browns, then. No. No. Because the other one was week week six. But that was yeah, but that was oh eight or whatever it was. No, no, no. You you were right. It's the same. It was week fifteen, two thousand ten against the Steelers. Wow. The uh, ninety eight point four overall grade, the best game ever recorded by Pro Football Focus. He didn't allow a single pressure on twenty three pass blocking snaps and earned a ninety six point nine run blocking grade. What happened in that game? Twenty ten is the year everything crashed and. In week 15, and we had an offensive line dominating Carson Palmer within a month that he's never coming back to Cincinnati against were, the Steelers? What happened? <laughs> they were 4-12 and 12 that year. Right. Uh, according to the internet, they played the San Diego Chargers. And so, so Pro Football Focus has it wrong. So what season was this actually? In week 15 of, yeah, it, maybe it was just against the Browns. And they put the Steelers by accident. Okay. I, I was going to say, Something's kicking the Steelers' here. ass late in 2010 doesn't ring a bell at all. Man, I was excited to do this segment, and now there's... Oh, errors. Errors. Or maybe our meant They just don't expect us to be able to recollect games from 12 years ago. When's the last time the Bengals played the Steelers in week 16? Was it 2011? So nope. It would be the second to last week. Yeah. I don't know. I you're don't talking, know what game this refers to. You talking game sixteen? It might or be week sixteen. Week sixteen. It might be two thousand twelve. I'm gonna go look. Okay. So this is the Whitworth game. You're thinking it's probably twenty twelve against the Steelers, and that is the Bernard Scott kick return for a touchdown. No, that had to be 09, That Bernard Scott one. Or was that the Ted Perry one oh nine? Oh, I'm they, off. They won that game thirteen ten. Mm, Reggie Nelson with the interception at the end, if we're talking about t- 2012. Yep, 2012. So let's go back and look. So 2012. Nope, not 2012. <laughs> what are we doing? It's 2010. It's just against the Browns. They just put the wrong opponent in there. He had a 98.4 against the Browns. Okay, then. That makes sense. Yeah. All of that. Not as exciting because no. it's the Browns. Nope, but still, it's pretty cool that... Oh, but yeah. uh, Andrew Whitworth has the top spot. And, of course, Pro Football Focus loves Andrew Whitworth, but so do we. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? It'll get him in the Hall of Fame just because he is well-liked and now at a big city. And because the Internet exists. This is this is something Willie Anderson was talking about. If the Internet existed when Willie Anderson was playing, he'd be in the Hall of Fame right now. I think so. And he should be. And I've said this for a couple of years now. And the first time I said it, I feel like somebody, and it might, I don't know if it was you, but somebody told me that, no, he, he wouldn't make it. And he might not still, but he certainly should. Well, I don't think that would have been me. I've always been pro Willie Anderson should be the thought of as the best right tackle of, of the two thousands. And, yeah. uh, and, and in my mind, if you are that you deserve to be in the hall of fame. Yeah. I love Willie Anderson. Uh, last note, I think is more praise for Drew Sample. <laughs> this has been a refrain this week. If you don't have nice things to say about Drew Sample, you can get the hell out of Cincinnati. Seems to That's be it. the refrain. And Joe and I are not in Cincinnati, so 
That's why we've been excommunicated because we have bad things to say about Drew Sample. Bad we don't at drafted. this point. Right. Yeah, it's different, right? This Criticism when somebody is drafted doesn't have to continue and carry. That's right. If he proves and in, in, in is a suitable player and a good blocker and even better and, and surprising receiver this year, none of that matters. It, That's it, right. The whole narrative changes, and it should. And people will be mad. Well, you guys said it was a reach. Because it was. That doesn't change the fact. But if he ends up being good, I don't give a shit if it was a reach. They made the right call. Yeah. Yep. 100%. And the thing is, as as Lapham was talking about on the Bengals Booth podcast, and he's saying that other players are saying Sample looks really good. Lapham's own observations are, well, he needs to... Similar stuff we heard from James Casey, I think. He needs to use his athleticism a little bit more, but... Everyone's saying, oh, yeah, this, the defensive players are approaching Lapham, according to Dave Lapham. What's the word I'm looking for here when they do that? When you don't ask for it, they just, they just mention and, and, and bring up Sample's name. It's just, it's just unprompted. I think that may have been the word, so thank you. Yeah, okay. He, he's been approached <laughs> unprompted by these defensive players, and they're saying this tight end's going to be a player. So, yeah. A.J. Green, Bengals.com, everybody's, everybody's hyping this kid up. In, in, on the podcast, it was the Lapham and uh, Dan Horde podcast, and I listened to the segment earlier today, and they talked about Sample, and it seemed as if Lapham was saying he expects Sample to make plays this year and, and play a lot and be an uh, integral part of the offense, and we'll have to see how that works and if that's a good idea. But uh, just that idea that they're already this far in, because we talked about a couple podcasts ago, a couple weeks ago, where former personnel people have said, oh, yeah, we know right in rookie minicamps or OTAs, this guy either is a player or isn't. A second-round pick comes in and they're like, oh, man, this guy can't play. What happened? Uh, the fact that they're ha- they're having the positive side of that with Drew Sample right away is good things. Also interesting on that podcast were some mentions of the kinds of plays that the Bengals ran to open the practice. Dan Hoare recounted that they ran a play-action boot, a play-action deep shot to Malone, a play-action boot, a play-action deep shot to Ross, and then a run. And I think one of those passes was incomplete, which was an overthrow to Malone. And the run just absolutely gashed the defense. Then Lapham went on to talk about how, well, in this offense, running the same thing out of the same formation, out of the same look until the until the uh, the mesh point, right? is the, the play-action pass is also going to set up the run. And if you don't know what the mesh point is, that is whether you're handing it off or keeping it as a quarterback. And this you'll hear about a lot in option plays or, or read option. Um, the mesh point is handing it to the running back or keeping it in the play action and throwing it. So uh, that point is the mesh point. And then, Joe, you mentioned on the defensive side of the ball, they mentioned some zone blitz stuff with That's right. uh, Sam Hubbard dropping back into coverage. Yeah, because we have nothing on defense. We're getting drips of information for what the defense even looks like and I wonder if the defense can even put a game plan out there just by the sounds of the offense they're going against it's always 11 personnel so you can only be out there in nickel right unless you want to say we're going to sacrifice some and play our defense and get our stuff installed uh which I'm sure they're trying to do and then all the play action they got to be Yeah. yeah they have to and then uh all the play action, let me tell you, as, as somebody who liked to play defensive end, that is the worst in terms of keeping me excited in the game because you want to rush the passer, and if they're just going to trick you all, the whole time and slow you down, man, that's that's got to be a bummer. But, so back to the original point that you talked about, Jake, uh, 
Yeah, they said there was a a, a play that fooled Ryan Finley as there was some zone blitz going on where they dropped uh, Sam Hubbard into coverage. And I that just sparked a little thing in my brain because they hired a lot of Dick LeBeau guys. He's known for being uh, a zone blitz heavy type defense that'll mix it up and be multiple. So, uh, Jake, I think this is our first idea of, yeah, that maybe that makes sense. Yep. And uh, the other thing that that just jogged in my memory is is Lapham was talking about how much he loves play action for keeping defensive linemen off balance because it's not just the linebackers. Exactly. It's also, yeah. like you said, it's the the way that the, the defensive line reacts to a pass rush versus a run defense is different. And, and yep. if they guess wrong, well, that bodes well for the quarterback or the running back. Right. So say you say you're a defensive end and you see a run action to your side. You're going to take that tight end or the tackle, whoever's over you, and you're going to stand them up, extend, lock to your arms, and you're going to put vision on the ball carrier or the ball. And you're going to pl- almost two gap at that. You're going to protect your right, left shoulder, both gaps to your left and right. And you're going to be ready for the run. Uh, if it's a pass play, well, now two seconds have already passed and you go, well, shit, I got to go pass rush now. And it, it kills you completely. It changes your complete, um, you know, plan and, and and pass rush moves on how you're going to get to the quarterback. I think that's a good summary. And that's all of the interesting stuff that I heard from the Bengals beat Bengals booth podcast. However, I did get an idea and I will leave you with this. Please go rate the show and leave us comments. The comments will help us improve the show and the ratings will help other Bengals fans find the show. That's a tip I picked up from Dan Horde closing the Bengals booth podcast And I agree with both things. I think both will be very helpful for us. I'll close also by saying you can find us on the Himalaya app. Go check it out. Remember to subscribe also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Until next time, Bengals fans, have a good one. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wildcard exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason. Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.